Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. We're brought to you on this college baseball podcast by MLB Network, broadcasting the 2010 Major League Baseball first-year player draft on June 7th, 8th, and 9th. Our own Jim Callis will be one of the experts on the draft coverage. I'm really looking forward to it this year, Aaron, on MLB Network, and we thank MLB Network for their sponsorship of the podcast. But let's just dive right in, Aaron. We previewed the first eight regionals yesterday on the left side of the bracket as you look at your bracket from Arizona State's regional, the Tempe regional, all the way down to the Myrtle Beach regional, the Coastal Carolina regional. We ended with our disagreement about NC State. We will pick up today with the Austin regional. I don't think we're going to have a lot of disagreement talking about Texas's regional. The Longhorns are the number two national seed. They're number three in our rankings. They're not number one in our hearts, but they're number one in a lot of hearts uh, out in t- deep in the heart of Texas. And they've got the Longhorns number one seed with Rice as a two, Lafayette as a three, Louisiana Lafayette, and Ryder as a number four. And Aaron, uh, Rice, one of your more dangerous number two seeds, despite the fact they've had an inconsistent season, despite the fact they really haven't pitched all year. Do the Owls have it in them? They're obviously, they've played Texas a lot over the years. They're not going to necessarily be intimidated by playing the Longhorns. That's probably about as difficult as a two seed as, as Texas could get. Do the Owls have what it takes to you know, push Texas and win that regional? They can push them. And, you know, I wouldn't be stunned to see them win that regional because right now um, they're playing a little bit better than Texas. you got to be a little bit nervous if you're a Texas fan about that 0-3 showing in the Big 12 tournament. I mean, it's not as easy as you think to just switch the light on and off like that. I agree. Um, and... Certainly Cole Green's performance is a concern. I mean, I think that's two weeks in a row he hasn't pitched well. Um, did he run out of gas? Did he peak too early? He was lights out in the middle of the year. He wasn't giving up any runs at all. Um, he had that long scoreless streak, you know. Right. But uh, he's a key guy for them. I mean, if he's if he's getting chased and giving up six runs or whatever, um, you know, that changes the complexion of that team quite a bit. As, as good as Taylor Youngman's been all year, he has had inconsistent games. He is still, what, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, there are times on a tall pitcher like that who's 20 years old is going to lose their release point just to have a game where they don't throw strikes. Yeah. That said, I would look for him to be at his best in the postseason. He was awesome in Omaha yeah, last year. Yeah, and he was good last week. It's got to give him confidence. I, mean, I think he's pretty good. Chance Ruffin has been ridiculous this year out of their bullpen. Right. What's the health status of the Longhorns? Have Brandon Lloyd's been hurt down the stretch of the year? Yeah. Are those guys going to be healthy? And, and what's the health status of, of Rice? Is Mike Ojala healthy yeah. and does that really help how much does that help Rice's pitching which has really been their biggest issue this year yeah I mean you know Ojale is healthy and he's been he's given them a real boost um he's pitched some of his best baseball in fact this year I mean he's had a 12 strikeout game which was his career high um he's uh he's really stabilized that rotation along with Taylor Wall and Jared Rogers now you've got three pretty solid guys I mean they're not you know they're not dominant guys for the most part I mean Ojale can dominate um, but, uh, you know, there, it certainly is not Texas's pitching staff, but the way they're swinging the bats, right now they're swinging the bats the way that 
Um, we thought they would coming into the year. Um, you know, they they put up a lot of runs in that Conference USA tournament, and and we thought coming into the year that this could be one of the nation's best offenses. Yeah. And and I think now, right now, they might be. I mean, I think they they're right in that discussion. Well, they certainly have arguably the best player in the country. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any question that if you're looking for a Division One player who can hit, you're looking for. You look at Anthony Rendon. He's front and center. Yeah. I am just seeing a story on the Austin American Statesman about Brandon Loy that he's uh, going to play this weekend. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's what they important. expected. Yeah. So an important. Yeah, obviously, that's why they wrestled him in the you know, Big 12 tournament. That's important for Texas. But to me, Texas is not going to let – when they play Rice, they're not going to let uh, Anthony Rendon beat him. Anthony Rendon already has 62 walks and 21 strikeouts this year. They're, they're gonna, Someone else for Rice is going to have to beat them. Can Rick Hague do it? Can uh, Diego yeah, Seastrunk Fuda? or Fuda or whoever? I mean, they've got they do have Soul some Salt Spa was is an X factor. He had a big regional for them last year against uh, you know against Kansas State and those guys. He's got to come up big, I think. I mean, they've got um, they've got other guys who can do it, but I just think that Texas is is so good. I mean, they're just last week aside. Um, they're just they're the best team in the nation when it comes to run prevention. So yeah, Rice has got a really good offense. I mean that can be suppressed by by a Texas pitching staff that is and defense and and defense that is bo- they're both top notch and and you know I imagine Texas has the luxury now uh, they don't have to throw young men or another one of their aces against Ryder I, I don't think they need to I mean Ryder Ryder's playing pretty well right now but that's not really a, that team's not really a threat to Texas I think you can I don't know if they're going to throw Hobie Milner in the first game have they announced it yet but um, I haven't seen that. I, I mean, they they probably could throw maybe they throw Cole Green in the first game, get him back on track. That that makes some sense because um, you theory. obviously still have the rest. Of, you have Workman and and Youngman still to go. And yeah, you're so, Texas. You, I think you go in there thinking you're going to pitch three games, and right. if you have to play a fourth game, you know you're Texas. You have the the depth. Although I guess Austin Deshari, he's also he hasn't uh, been a factor for right. them. Well, right. I mean, he he was injured early, and then he just he hasn't really gotten back. Right, in he never really got back into it. So, it's but but I but the reason I like Texas in this regional is because. Um, because they can throw young men against Rice. I think that makes a big difference. How about, uh, maybe we're taking this for granted that Rice will get past Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, yeah. The Raging Cajuns finished strong, although I know their last weekend of the regular season they stumbled a little bit and they didn't win that league tournament. Obviously, Ford International did in the Sun Belt. But they do have Osborne, I forget his first name. Zach Osborne. Zach Osborne, yeah. who, you know, my scouting report on him from uh, other coaches in the Sun Belt, upper 80s, fastball with really good life, can throw the curve slider and change yeah. it for strikes. There's a four-pitch senior lefty. Yeah. And, you know, uh, can he stop Rice? Is, is, yeah. is Lafayette an upset factor here? Yeah, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a good sinker ball guy. can <clears> keep <throat> the ball down. Um, you know, it, it'll be important for him to play defense, certainly in that park, which it makes it easier to play to play defense in that park with that turf that they've got. It slows the ball down a little bit. But, um, you know, they've got a good shortstop, Greg Fontenot, who uh, – uh, good name for a Louisiana shortstop. It certainly is, and and you know they've got some guys who can run that lineup a little bit. I mean, I like Kyle Olison, um, the leadoff guy, and and uh, you know I, I think they're they're a tough little club, um, and I think also that I should mention that I think their turf and their on their field is new and is comparable to what Texas has, so maybe that gives them a little bit of an advantage. They're used to playing on that turf. Hmm, I didn't know they that had could the field be, turf. Yeah, that could be a factor. I wonder if anybody in the country does not have field turf. They still have the old Astro turf, the faster turf. I wonder if that's Anywhere out there, whether I know it's not in major in the major leagues, it's field turf. Yeah, even the Metrodome now went to the field turf, oh, right? They don't, they don't even play baseball. Well, I mean, but I mean the Gophers. I mean, when they play. Oh baseball. yeah, that I don't know. That's a good question. Gophers. We'll get to them later. Yeah. Sleeper pick of the year. Well, I'm picking Texas for this regional. Yeah, I am too, and I'm you know I'm not uh, I'm not 100 percent 
confident as I was maybe two weeks ago that Texas is going to roll through here, but uh, I believe in the Longhorns. I mean, they've been the be- one of the best teams all year long. Them in Virginia, I thought, and Arizona State. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna panic now just because of one bad weekend. Augie's gonna have them ready to go. That's what Augie does. Right. I think uh, if anybody can have this team turn it on and turn it off, it's Augie Greedo. Yeah, and 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 they've got a huge advantage in the bullpen over all these teams because Chance Ruffin is just a stud. He's doggone good, and he's had a tremendous season for what was a question mark coming into the year has become an absolute plus for Texas. Yeah. Next regional in Fort Worth, and TCU is the number one seed with second seed Baylor, third seed Arizona. Fourth seed, Lamar. Aaron, uh, I think TCU is a prohibitive favorite yeah. here. Actually, a bigger favorite in that regional than I think Texas is in its regional. I agree with you. I think this is a cakewalk for TCU. I mean, I, you know, Baylor's, I think Baylor could be a factor. Arizona, I don't think is a factor. They played poorly down the stretch. They've got a young team. They're, they have some young, talented players, uh, but their pitching after Kurt Heyer is not impressive. Um, that's, I, that's the best way to put it. After Kurt Heyer, yeah, their pitching is sketchy. It looks like. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't think, I don't see Arizona as a factor here. I don't see Lamar as a factor as a four seed, although they played pretty well to win the Southland Conference tournament. Um, Baylor, to me, does have some arms. I mean, they and they've played pretty well against TCU this year, I believe. That's, that's what stands TCU. out about Baylor when you look at their club. Yeah. Uh, what's a three thirty or so team ERA, and that's with the guy who in the first half, you know, Sean Tallis and their veteran was pitching pretty well the first half of the year. He's like their worst pitcher who throws a lot. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, they've got Pinkard out of the bullpen, Fritch and Kemp and Logan Verrett have been uh, – Logan – is it Verrett or Verrett? Uh, yeah, I don't know, actually. I've, I've called them – I think I've called them both names. Logan's been really good yeah, this year. Yeah, he has been. So, I mean, like, they – it's a typical Baylor team. They really do have pitching depth. They have a little bit more power maybe than the average Baylor club. So, yeah. uh, I like this team. Uh, I, I like I like some of the – I'm sorry to interrupt you. That's okay. No, we – I think I owe you a few on that stretch. So. I like I like the young guys in this lineup. I mean, that's one of the things that you know they got rid of some of those guys in the junior class that had really underachieved that Ballyhoo number one recruiting ranking class, uh, and they brought in really a bunch of of hard nosed, scrappy freshmen like Logan Vick and Max Muncie. These Logan guys Vick's had a really nice year. For he's them. had a really nice year as a leadoff guy with some speed top of the lineup. Um, you know, Cal Toey's had a nice year in right field. I mean, it's they they play. I like the the makeup of this team a little more now. Um, and, you know, I think you mentioned the arms. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with as far as their, their rotation goes, but whether they throw Tolleson in the first game or whether they throw uh, Verrett in the, in the first game or the second game, I mean, they're going to have at least two guys that are going to give them a chance. And Craig Fritch seemed like he pitched pretty well in the Big 12 tournament. Um, against Oklahoma. He's a useful veteran arm yeah. to have, and if you have to go through a loser's bracket, that's a good guy. That's a better yeah. guy to have in reserve than the untested freshman who you haven't used a whole lot during the year. Yeah. Baylor has some veteran options. And I think they wound up putting Verrett back in the bullpen, in fact, um, and he's really good in that role. I mean, I think that makes some sense for them. So, I mean, they could be a factor, but, but TCU's the best team in this regional for me, and they're just... Um, TCU, I, to me, is a lot like Coastal Carolina. They're just as yeah. complete a team as they're in the, in the country. Absolutely. I think TCU's maybe not quite as athletic as Coastal Carolina. But, but they've Coastal got Carolina, some. They have athleticism. Yeah. But they don't they – don't, But t- Coastal Carolina does not have Matt Perk. You're right. Face, they don't have – they have good pitching depth. They don't have TCU's pitching depth. And they don't have TCU's ace in Matt Perk. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's Matt Perk, but then it's Stephen Maxwell, and it's – um, you know the whole thing, the, 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 all the different arms they've got Lockwood, in the bullpen. Right. Uh, Tyler Lockwood is a nice long relief kind of right. guy that they throw it's out a veteran there. Veteran extra guy who, again, if you're in the losers bracket, that's a guy who's won some big games sure. for you in his career. Sure. You're not reaching for a guy that you haven't used before. You're, you're you're pitching a guy that you trust, and he might be their sixth best guy. Yeah. 
Kyle Winkler, of course, we didn't mention. Is right. another weekend. I mean, those are three really good starters. Uh, they've got depth in the bullpen. They've got power arms and different kinds of looks. I mean, Caleb Merck has just had a nice year for them. Um, you know, offensively, I love the physicality, you know, with the with – the, uh, um, the guys like Jason Coates, you know, the sophomore yeah. outfielder who's, who's got power and speed and athleticism. Uh, Matt Curry's had a big year at first base, kind of a Matt Stairs type player who's really it took him a year to, to kind of hit his stride there, but he's he's really hit it in a big way. Um, and, and Brian Holiday is, is just an outstanding player, a senior catcher. Well, so just experience in the lineup and experience where you want the most, yeah. you know, for them. So TCU. This is not a big glaring weakness on that team. They, right. I think they're both of our picks to win that regional. Yeah. And that would be one of the bigger upsets if yep. they don't win that regional. I agree. Aaron, I think one of the most uh, one of the most balanced regionals, one of the ones that can be most contested, is the one in uh, Norwich, Connecticut. That is uh, Florida State as your one seed, UConn as your two, the Ducks as your three, Oregon and Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina, Central Connecticut State. Slight difference there, as your four. Uh, the, to me. This regional is one of the few where I could see I legitimately any of the top three seeds could win the regional. If we, if Oregon won a regional, it would not shock me. Their pitching is that good, and in George, I trust. So uh, that, that's my thumbnail sketch. I'm actually picking UConn to win this regional. I'm throwing my pick out there at the start. This is the first time I'm not going with a one seed to pick to win a regional. Um, who's the favorite in, on this regional? Is it Florida State, or does UConn get the favorite nod because of the host? No, not for me. I mean, I think Florida State's the favorite. Um, they're Florida State. You know, Florida Connecticut State. is Connecticut. That's right. I mean, that matters. It does it, matter. You know, and, and it matters. If it were basketball, we would be saying UConn, being the fact that they have UConn matters. Yep. It matters in baseball. Maybe it matters more because you're talking about Mike Martin. Mike Martin is not at the same stage of his career. Is not at the stage of his career that's analogous to Jim Calhoun's. Right. Anyway. But. Um, you know, Florida State to me is is experienced. They're they're physical. This is an offensive regional, and this is why Oregon sticks out to me because they're built much differently than these other three teams. Great point. Even Central Connecticut State is an offensive club. You know, led by Sean Allaire, who the seniors had a great year for them. Charlie Hickey, their coach, has done a nice job over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Wasn't he the coach at uh, Providence before Providence had his program? I think down? you're right. I, I think he was. I think this guy's been to regionals. He's been to a few rodeos, and if he is the guy, I'll look this up. You continue talking about the region. I'll look up this little factoid. But but Sean uh, Sean Alaire and Pat Epps are the, the big two for Central Connecticut State that give them a chance to to slug their way. I don't know how that Norwich ballpark plays. John, do you have any idea? It's big. Yeah. I mean, it's a big ballpark, and it plays as a pitcher's park in the Eastern League when it was an Eastern League park. So, so maybe that favors Oregon then. I, I just about to say, I think I think it does. And Charlie Hickey was the coach of Providence in 1999. And where did Providence in its final season, when they won 49 games, where did they finish up? They finished at Florida State in one of the great scenes in college baseball history right. where the fans there uh, really cementing their reputation as some of the best fans in college baseball. The Florida State fans like traded jerseys, traded gifts with all of the Providence players. There is still a section of the Section B website dedicated to Providence's 1999 team. That was one of the coolest things that happened when I was with baseball, the, the big college beat writer here at Baseball America. And that's really a neat subplot. It's almost a shame, in a way, that Charlie Hickey doesn't take his Central Connecticut State team down to Tallahassee for a yeah. regional when you think about it, because he that, that those two are intertwined in my mind, what he did at Providence, and if they shut that program down in a year and they went 49 games. That was a great story, but that's a neat little side uh, bar to this 
to this regional. Yeah. The thing, maybe it helps Florida State, Aaron, to be in a pitcher's ballpark or a bigger yard because I am really worried about Florida State's pitching. Yeah. Sean Gilmartin is now 7-7 seven and seven for the year. He's, he's close to 5. He's been terrible down the stretch. He's been really bad down the stretch. Johnny Gast. He pitched uh, well last he, week. He did throw well last week. Stuff's up and down. Scouts in Florida really don't know what to make of John Gast. You know, that's my opinion. You know, Jeff Parker did pitch well for them last week. He's another guy that, you know, they expected to rely a lot on this year. He's kind of been in and out of high-leverage situations. Yeah. I mean, I worry about Florida State's pitching. As what's, you what, should. What's the state of UConn's pitching right now? Well, I worry about UConn's pitching, too. That's exactly the reason I'm, I'm not going to pick UConn. As much as you know I love UConn, been high on them all year, had them in a regional in the preseason with my sleepers. we on that for sure. Um, but... I'm a little worried because I feel like Elliot Glenn tired out a little bit. I mean, his velocity was, you know, 88 to 90 early. Now he's more in the mid-80s. He still competes. He's a real bulldog. I mean, is their ace lefty we're talking about. Um, but, you know, his stuff isn't quite as firm. And um, he did miss a little bit of time. He was, he was a little bit tender. Uh, and Scott Barnes, their flamethrower right-hander, he's gotten hit a little bit too lately. Um, you know, those two guys, I just wonder. They've had all those six-game weeks and, uh, I think it took a little bit of a toll on that team's pitching staff. I'm, I'm so impressed that they won 47 games yeah, with multiple five- and six-day game weeks. That has to be factored in to the level of the competition they play. Yeah. I mean, their level of competition in midweek is certainly lower yep. than other teams, but they play more often because of the weather, and they're yeah. playing in 50-degree weather even in May. And they, and they won more road games than any team in America. Pretty impressive season, just a great job done by uh, that UConn program. You know, but the reason I'm picking Florida State in this regional is because Florida State hasn't hasn't been a juggernaut this year. Uh, they've had these pitching questions all season long, but they still win. They just win, John. They, their numbers offensively aren't as eye popping as they were a year ago. You know, Stephen Cardulo had a horrible year. Had a horrible year, but but when it mattered in the ACC tournament, he was there. He was he had a great ACC tournament. Absolutely. I mean, that's very encouraging. Um, you know, Tyler Holtz had a good year, but not the Stellar, you know, player of the year kind of a year that he had last year. He sacrificed a little bit of plate discipline for more power, basically, yeah. is what he's done. I mean, he's second on the team in home runs. And, you know, he's not going to be our college player of the year unless he has an explosion the next couple weekends. But Mike McGee would be in the in the mix for college baseball MVP. Very valuable. He leads that team in home runs. I think he leads that team in RBIs. He's their closer. Uh, he's a great veteran. I mean, he, I think Florida, like I said, I, I wanted to pick somebody who's not a one seed to win. I picked UConn because they're a home, uh, a home team, but I don't think they're going to have a great fan turnout and a great uh, home field advantage by any stretch of the imagine, uh, imagination. I'm picking the Huskies, and uh, you're picking the Seminoles, it sounds like. Yeah, I just, I mean, like I said, the bottom line to me is that this team is experienced, um, and they find ways to win. And, and, you know, they had so many games this year where they seemed like they had no business winning, and they just won them because yeah. they're because they're veteran and they, they get big hits. Um, even if they don't put up huge offensive numbers like they did last year, they get big hits and then they win. Can the Ducks skill it up enough to generate enough offense to go with their pitching depth with guys like Latempa and uh, what's the Friday? Tyler show? Anderson. Tyler Anderson and Zach Thornton, who I think is nine yeah. and zero, seven and zero this year. Had a good year. He's had a very good year. Uh, Scott McGaw of the bullpen. Uh, they have McGuff. bullpen depth. McGuff, thank you. They have bullpen depth. Can the Ducks skill it up enough offensively, bunting? Running, they just don't have enough thunder clearly in the lineup. Can they skill it up enough to win? I just want to say skill it up again. I don't think so. I mean, I think you know they're a lot better offensively than they were last year. That's not saying much. It's not saying much at all. (laughs) I mean, you know, great story. Oregon's a great story, and like you said, this is a pitcher's park. 
That gives them a real fighting chance. Um, and you, UConn and Florida State are going to have to be on their game yeah. defensively to beat the Ducks. They will, the pressure will be brought to bear by Oregon on those teams defensively, and they're going to have to make the plays. And honestly, you know, that matchup against UConn in the first game, uh, you know, Anderson versus Glenn, I think that's kind of a push. Um, I, you know, in that ballpark, I could see Oregon winning that first game. All right, that's a, that's an interesting regional. Let's uh, let's move on. We're going a little bit slower than we need to here on the Baseball America podcast, trying to get to the whole right side of the bracket. Aaron, the story of the Louisville regional right now is that the top seed Louisville will be without its head coach Dan McDonald, suspended for three games for his actions in the Big East tournament. Does that open the door for number two seed Vanderbilt? Because I really don't think third seed Illinois State or fourth seed St. Louis are significant factors. Great season guys. Well, we talked about Mark Kingston on one of our podcasts lately. Tip of the cap to to Mark Kingston and the job he's done as a second-year head coach at Illinois State. But to me, this is a two-team regional, Louisville and Vanderbilt. Yeah, uh, so Does that too. give Vanderbilt an advantage uh, without Dan McDonald in the dugout for, for Louisville? Not much one. I mean, you know, Louisville has two really quality, experienced assistants with Chris Lamotis and Roger Williams, and they're going to serve, I guess, as, as co-head coaches this week. Uh, Lamotis in charge of the hitting and the, and the, exactly. and the, and the Moussaka being Greek-American, and Roger Williams in charge of the pitching. That's right. And... and uh, I think they'll be fine. I mean, you know, it's nice to have your head coach, certainly. But, I, I mean, this is an experienced team, too. they got a lot of older guys on this team. I don't think they're going to be rattled by not having Dan McDonald around. Stuart Iams could also kind of help run the team. Maybe your uh, yeah. Phil Wunderlich yeah. could uh, help run the team. Andrew These guys Clark. have been around for a while, yeah. it seems like. Adam Duvall. They just have so many seniors. Um, I just, I, you know, I've been so high on Louisville all year. They're just so physical and deep. Um they also have depth on the mound. I mean, their rotation uh, ha- and underwent some turnover as the season progressed. The only constant really has been Thomas Royce, right. but they like what they've gotten out of out of the freshman Matt Cook and Justin Amelung, and um, I imagine those guys will be starting again this week. And you, you know, it helps that you've got a great bullpen. I mean, I like teams that are really strong in the bullpen, uh, and they are with Neil Holland back there and with uh, uh, Tony Zick and you know Gabby Shaw. All these different looks that they can give you all power arms too. Um, I'll tell you why I like Vanderbilt, yeah. why I'm picking Vanderbilt to win this regional. Number one, they don't have to throw Sonny Gray in that first game. Illinois State's good, but they're not one of the stronger three seeds. Yeah, they're, they're the they weakest can, three seeds. They, uh, they can throw Armstrong out there if they want to. They can throw a veteran like Chase Reed out there if they want to. they got Taylor a lot Hill, of options. Maybe. they got a lot of options. I think Taylor Hill is actually the guy they're like, – he's like their third starter uh, for this event if they want to. Because they're going to throw Sonny Gray against Louisville. Yeah. But they, so they have options, like you said, Taylor Hill. I think they can throw Armstrong or even Reed, who's like their fourth starter swing guy. Uh, and you talk about bullpen depth, they've got it. Now, a big key for them is Russell Brewer hasn't pitched since May 15th uh, with his elbow soreness. He leads the team with six saves. I'd feel better about picking Vanderbilt if, if they had him in the fold. The big issue for me is will Vanderbilt hit enough? Yeah. You know, Kirk Sally just hasn't had the career they thought he'd have. Andrew Job, you know, Aaron West, like these guys are just okay. You got Brian Harris, the hit by pitch machine. What's he got? Thirty four hit by pitches. He's got on base over five hundred. Uh, I wonder if they have enough offense, but I'm picking Vanderbilt because of the pitching. I have to interject that the latest report out of Tennessee is that Tim Corbin says he's going to start Sonny Gray against Illinois State. I cannot believe that he's going to do that. I can't <laughs> either. I mean, I think there's. I, here's here's my guess. There, he'll start him against Illinois State, and if they have an early lead, he's going to take him out of the game, and he'll he'll relieve on Sunday. Yeah. Or or he can come back and pitch on Monday if he gets to a championship game on Monday. Yeah. They've brought Sonny Gray back on short rest, but I still think they have the pitching depth, even if they don't use Sonny Gray for Louisville. I'm, I'm not. Taylor Hill and Jack yeah. Armstrong are pretty useful options. Those uh, guys are better than 90% of the guys that Louisville sees. 
even when they saw the rest of the weekend against uh, when they won that series at Ole Miss. Those guys are better than Aaron Barrett and the rest of Ole Miss's uh, tell you, rotation. I wasn't real impressed with Jack Armstrong last week. I mean, he's just the location isn't great. No, it's not. Um, the stuff is okay, but I mean, it's not overwhelming. He was ninety ninety two, uh, kind of a slurvy breaking ball change up. I mean, it was okay. You know, I'm not even on Jack Armstrong as much. I, Ta- I, Taylor Hill, yeah. I kind of like Taylor Hill. Taylor Hill has had a real good year. He wasn't great in the SEC tournament either. I mean, I, to me, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I just wasn't blown away by Vanderbilt last week. I mean, I, I just I think they're good, but I think Louisville's a lot better. So I'm taking Louisville. Okay, well, I'm taking Vanderbilt. They were your Omaha sleeper in the preseason, but yeah. your in-person look at Vanderbilt. You know, honestly, well, I mean, Vanderbilt against better teams, Vanderbilt really hasn't done it this year. No. They really just haven't. They're talented, but they haven't really done it. So a little bit of a leap of, leap of faith on my part. Uh, but I picked two seeds in those two uh, regionals. So, and and uh, the reason yeah, the reason out. I'm picking against my Omaha sleeper is because Louisville didn't need to be a sleeper. Louisville was an Omaha favorite. That's a great, great point. Great take. Next, the group of not so much death. The group of serious illness. Uh, down in Los Angeles, UCLA as your one seed hosting at Jackie Robinson Stadium, which it sounds like needed some work to get up to regional snuff. Uh, LSU is your two seed, UC Irvine three, Kent State four, Aaron. Uh, we know who Ben Klafsinski's dad is picking here. He's picking Kent State. Um, but I don't think I'm picking Kent State. Uh, I think UC Irvine is dangerous, but what's the health status of Daniel Babona there? Sounds like he's going to start against LSU, but I worry about a guy who hasn't pitched in several weeks going up against a red-hot offense. Uh, to me, that's a red call. flag. Yeah, I mean, especially the way Christian Bergman has pitched lately. He threw, uh, I think, a complete game, maybe even a shutout in his last start. A um, little surprise. I mean, I, I know Babona's their guy, but the fact that he hasn't pitched, that to me, it's just a little bit of a surprise. Not, not as big of a surprise as it would be for, for me if they throw Sunny Gray against Illinois State. I just don't see why you would do that. Yeah. But you know what? Tim Corbin knows more about these things than I do. And he's actually won a regional. Um, but for me, uh, you know, this is uh, – people are talking about how strong this, this regional is. I still think it's a two-team regional again. Nothing against Irvine, but against better teams, Irvine has not thrived this year. Yeah, I, but I think UCLA and LSU are the, by far the two best teams in this regional. I, I think you're right, but I, I mean, I do think I could see Irvine winning this regional too. I mean, because they they do have a ton of guys who've been there. You know, they've 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 won regionals. They've been to a couple of these guys have been to Omaha. Right. I mean, it, it it's this is an older team, and yeah, they haven't had a tour de force season, um, but there's no reason that they can't. You know, they haven't had a chance to play a lot a lot of great competition. They did beat UCLA midweek a, a week or two ago. Um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think Irvine's a non-factor in this regional, certainly. But but Daniel Babona is absolutely key. Yeah, calling them a non-factor would be going too strong. To me, it's it's just not a team that uh, I just don't feel great about their chances to go and and slug it out with LSU or to pitch toe to toe with UCLA. That's true. When they beat UCLA, they weren't facing Cole Bauer or Rasmussen. I mean, Garrett Claypool is nice, good. Nice middle, nice midweek starter. Yeah. But he's a midweek starter. But and I think that's a nice a relief role here. Yeah, and well, I think that's a nice luxury if UCLA does fall to a loser's bracket that they've got a quality fourth guy. I mean, there's Agreed. not a lot of four starters better than Garrett Claypool. Agreed. And their bullpen depth is quite good. We've got yeah. like Eric Goodell coming on down the stretch of the season, Dan Klein, and down the back of that bullpen. I really like UCLA's pitching depth. Yeah. Their top six guys are all sophomores and juniors and seniors, and they've all got either really good craftiness or really good stuff. And, and actually, that's the reason that I'm picking UCLA in this regional. As much as I'm tempted to take LSU, because LSU looked great last week, um, the underlying problem with LSU still hasn't been addressed, and that is 
Matty Ott. I, I completely agree with Matty you. Matty Ott still is not back. I mean, he's maybe making progress, but he sure didn't look great. I mean, he was very shaky in that save that he... Well, it wasn't even a save he picked up. That mop-up role he came into, um, he secured the win. He didn't blow it, but it was close. Right. I mean, and his stuff just isn't what it was. He doesn't get the sink he used to get. Uh, I think in, in late situations, UCLA... I mean, they've got a much better bullpen, and that matters a lot in the postseason. And, you know, I don't know when uh, Renato is going to throw, but uh, I'm still not completely sold on Austin Ross uh, or, uh, you know, or, I mean, Ben Alsa was terrific right. in the SEC tournament, but that was his first real, <laughs> that's his coming out party. I mean, is he going to stack up well against Garrett Cole, for instance, or, or Trevor Bauer? I, I, don't, I don't know about that. One thing that can't be ignored here is the pulmonary factor. And yeah. that's no offense to John Savage, but Palmineri took Notre Dame to Omaha, and then he took LSU to Omaha, and then he took LSU to a national championship. Palmineri pushed the buttons last year. He seems, after scuffling yeah. with a little bit, a little bit, to have pushed the buttons with this LSU team. Yeah, I mean, how does how does uh, uh boy Mason Katz that's right. become the big big hero in, in the SEC tournament. Who's ever heard of Mason Katz? The Katz family. The Katz family has, uh, and Paul Maneri has. And, and there are a couple of times I think Paul Maneri blanked on Mason Katz's name in the post-game press conference. I mean, he's just awesome. a, uh, Mason Katz is in the, in the outfield getting big hits. You've got uh, Alex Edward at third base, who's been a real key for them down this stretch here. Once again, one of those guys Maneri plugged in there and has helped this team take off. Uh, this is a tough regional to pick because I do think LSU is playing with a lot of confidence right now. Um, certainly they're experienced. They're dangerous offensively. Still not sold on them on the mound. Um, so you know, I, I guess I take UCLA. I'm taking the Bruins as well. Just to back you up, Christian Bergman, a complete game, eight hit shutout in his last start against Long Beach State. Yeah. Uh, we're at the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. The Fullerton Regional Aaron, which will be, I believe, on uh, ESPNU. Uh, not broadcast by Phil Nevin this year because Phil is now the AA manager in Erie, which is kind of cool. Um, but we've got Fullerton, Stanford as your two seed, New Mexico as a three, Minnesota as the four. Uh, Minnesota is used to going out west. They seem like they make a west coast trip every year, it seems like, under John Anderson. If not every year, every other year. Uh, they were my Omaha sleeper coming into the year. They barely made the t- they barely got over 500 by winning the Big Ten tournament at the end of the year. But this is an intriguing regional because Stanford, New Mexico, and Minnesota all have some things they've done very well. They all have some pretty big Hickeys as ball clubs, and Cal State Fullerton started slow, really came on strong as the year went on. Soon they're going to be playing, though, without one of their offensive igniters in Gary Brown, and I'm still not sure what Tyler Pill's status is pitching-wise. Uh, sounds uh, like he's probably going to go. Okay. Right, what's what's your take on this regional? Is Fullerton a prohibitive favorite, just a significant favorite? Where do you have them? I think they're a favorite. I wouldn't call them prohibitive only because they've got the toughest matchup in their opener. I think of any number one seed, they've got to face Seth Rosine and and a, and a pretty good Minnesota club. I mean, a talented Minnesota club. We like Seth Rosine. Um, yeah. Saw him on Big Ten Network last weekend. Big body, held his velocity for the most part. Throws really strikes, well. really kind of close strikes. Strike yep. With and it's with a good fastball. I mean, he, you know, when he's the key for Seth Rosine is to locate it. It's to, he'll always be in the strike zone. He's got to not be over the fat part of the strike right. zone. And he's going to be downhill. He's got he's got to keep you know drive the ball downhill yeah. at that plane. He was like 85 to 92 in that big, at least according to the Big Ten Network radar. Gun. Interesting. So I mean, I, I was impressed. This was my first time watching him. I think he was pitching against Indiana or someone like that. So it wasn't a lineup like Fullerton. How much does Gary Brown not being there affect Fullerton's offense? It matters. I mean, that's the other reason that I, I don't think Fullerton is a prohibitive favorite. 
um, because he's the best. You know, he's he's had the best season for them this year. I mean, Christian Cologne's had a great year, and I would still say Christian Cologne is their best player. Absolutely. But but Gary Brown's right there. I mean, those two guys are what make that team go. Um, you know, they've been they've they've adjusted without him, and and I think they're still gonna win this regional because I I think they get by Minnesota, and then um, you know I think they're I just think they're more experienced and more more balanced than the other teams in this regional. How about Stanford, which on the season, Stanford's OPS is 10 points higher than its opponent's OPS. For the year, Stanford has scored only 26 more runs than opponents over the course of 54 games. That's negligible. It's basically a push. And that Stanford's ace in Brett Mooneyham has walked 60 guys in 82 innings. This is clearly not a vintage Stanford club. I think next year... Stanford is going to be very, very dangerous. I agree with you. But what do you think about the Cardinals this year? Are they a threat to win a regional? They've had a long history with Cal State Fullerton. They usually get the better of Fullerton come playoff time. Mark Marquez has a long history of doing that. I don't think it happens for them this year, though. I mean, this team is just too inconsistent. Um, They've really been up and down this year. I guess that last time was the 2008 Super Regional where Stanford went to Fullerton and won the Super Regional and went to Omaha. Or was that a regional? Yeah, it was It was the Super it was Regional. Super, yeah. Yep. Jason Castro and company went down. There's exactly. Some, there's some Stanford guys. Jake Schlander was a starting shortstop on that team as a freshman. There's some Cardinal who have experience winning big games at Goodwin Stadium. Is it Goodwin Stadium or Goodwin Field? Goodwin Field. Field. Goodwin Field, thank you. Yeah, you know, I mean, Stanford's got young talent, but I just I don't see it on the mound. I mean, like you said, the the fact that Mooneyham throws so many walks so many guys. I mean, you tell me Fullerton's not going to take advantage of that. Yeah. You get Fuller, you open the door an inch for Fullerton, and they're going to burst right through. I do like the fact that Stanford's a pretty good defensive team, athletically very talented on the infield. Schlander, Walsh, uh, the very athletic King to Kroger. That infield should be a good infield to defend a team that wants to bunt yeah. and push and put pressure on you. Stanford's well-suited for that. That's true. But I, I don't think that their pitching staff is well-suited to defend a team like New Mexico that is going to come out swinging the bat. That's I, for sure. I see New Mexico scoring a lot of runs and winning that first game against Stanford. I think that's a good, I think that's a good call, actually. And uh, New Mexico's not going to be intimidated by anybody. No. Ray Birmingham will not allow it. If you're intimidated, you're off the team. That's right. <laughs> that guy that, that guy is one of our favorites, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Watch for Justin Howard. He's the X-Factor for... I mean, he's more than an X-Factor. He's, he's the best hitter for New Mexico. He's had a huge year, their first baseman, and, and I think he could have a big region. I like that call. All right, we're going to move on to the uh, other regional that's on TV and uh, on ESPNU, uh, and that's the Miami, the Coral Gables regional, where the U, Miami, takes on uh, second-seeded Texas A&M, the, uh, the Texas Aggies, is what they like to call themselves, Ford International and the Traveling Garrett Whittles International Roadshow, and Dartmouth, the Big Green. Uh, Aaron, uh, your Ivy League champion. Is there any, any threat from the Ivy League champion? They've only played 43 games this year, which no. I think is awesome. They're going to throw a little lefty out there. Robert Young, the first game, a senior who can spin it a little bit. Uh, below average velocity guy, though, which means uh, Harold Martinez and company could be feasting. That's a great um, point. I think Miami wins that first game. Um, and uh, I think Texas A&M, however, wins the regional. That's the team that I, I'm... I'm excited about. I mean, I, I think that their their arms are so good. I think their arms are a lot better than Miami's arms. I think they really are. And that Miami, which you know, not that Eric Erickson was one of Miami's better arms, but he was in the weekend rotation. He has a long record of winning a lot yeah. of games, and now he's out with an elbow injury. 
a guy that has already had Tommy John yeah. surgery and is uh, out with elbow soreness again. So the rotation now, you've got still you still got Chris Hernandez, who's had a solid junior year. He's still not the dominator that he was as a freshman. And then you've got a couple of seniors and Jason Santana and Carlos Gutierrez. Um, or yeah, they wish Danny, it was Carlos Gutierrez. Right. Da- Daniel Gutierrez. Um, who are just okay. A young power arm bullpen, but it's a yeah. young bullpen. I do like their bullpen. That's yeah. one thing I like about Miami. University of Miami they can, always has good bullpen. Yeah, of course, naturally. <laughs> I mean, they, they can they can do some things back there. Daniel Miranda and Taylor Wolf and EJ, EJ Insanosa. I mean, they've got some good arms back there. Uh, but so does, you know, Texas A&M with, with John Stilson, who's... John, he's 8-1, 087. Yeah, I'm looking at his numbers. It's 106 donkulous. strikeouts, 20 walks, and 72 innings, and he's got nine saves. I mean, it's probably a first-team, well, him or Ruffin are going to be first-team All-American, a closer. Um, yeah, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he throws hard, and he's got great stuff. I mean, he's really good. Barrett Laux has had a phenomenal year. I mean, I like, um, you know, I like their chances with him on the mound. I don't know if they're going to throw him against Florida International or not, Um it might be about the only thing that can stop Garrett Whittles. Yeah. I mean, 54-game hitting streak yeah. coming into the weekend. Talk a little bit about Garrett Whittles. I mean, uh, this guy's you – know, he's a listener on their questionnaire in the preseason as a pitcher. Yeah. And he was t- touching 93 in the fall for them. How did he get the everyday job? And, uh, you know, what kind of hitter is he to have this yeah. kind of hit streak? You know, they had some guys who, who didn't seize opportunities early. And, and um, you know, I know Turtle Thomas was disappointed with some of his players early on. And, and that's why – you know, he, he kind of mixed and mashed and put some different guys in the lineup to see who could who could succeed, and that's how Whittle's got a chance. Um, and uh, and boy, has he run with it. I mean, he, he just he just has such a professional approach. He doesn't really chase pitches out of the zone and get himself out. Um, he hits a lot of line drives. I mean, he's not a big power guy. He's only got two home runs, but he does hit doubles. He'll use the gaps. Um, he's just a, he's to me. Uh, we talked about it though. I think yesterday uh, in the first half of the podcast, I, he, it's so hard to block out the distractions oh, yeah. once you get to 50 games or 40 games. I mean, everyone's constantly asking you about Robin Ventura and all this stuff. I mean, this is one of the most revered records in college baseball. I would actually knock say on the door. I think it's actually the most revered record in college baseball. Yeah. It's the one that everybody knows. It's yeah. the, you know, no, some people don't know Pete Incovilia, 48 home runs. Some people don't know. Like, I was talking to someone who I think was a scout earlier this year about, wow, Incavilia, 48 home runs. I can't even comprehend that. I mean, he's the only guy who hit 40. I said, no, 1997, two guys hit 40 home runs. I mean, you know, like people just don't know that kind of thing. But everybody remembers that I talked to, yeah. Robin Venturi, 58 hits. So this is, the, the, you know, the hit streak is as good a record as there is in, in baseball. It's the same thing with Joe DiMaggio's streak in the big leagues. It's similar with Robin Ventura's streak in college baseball. So that, that's a big deal. That's why it's on TV. I'll be watching. Sure. And uh, I think you'll be watching even when you're in Charlottesville. Yeah. Texas A&M, uh, Aaron, tell me a little bit about their second, uh, the guy who's been, has just an amazing season for them and leads their team in innings pitch, Michael, is it Waka? Waka, yeah. Michael, uh, as Fozzie Bear would say, Waka, Waka, Waka. This That's guy's right. had it, these numbers a leap off the page. He's like he's a tall drink of water from Texas. Yeah, he's a freshman who's who's come in and, and, and been a big factor for them. I mean, he, he throws strikes, keeps the ball down, and, and uh, he's got some strikeouts, too. I mean, he's he, he was a key for them early. Uh, they used him in kind of a, a relief role early, and they used him in, in the rotation. He's been kind of a swing guy for them, but, right. uh, you know, absolutely he's a key piece for them. And, and Clayton Ellert, the veteran right-hander, you know, he's he's uh, Ross Stripling. I mean, they've got these guys who are just kind of solid college pitchers in there as well. Cause, I mean, to me, coming into the year, if I expected them to go to a Super Regional, I thought Ross Hales would be a big part of that, and he's made yeah. two starts. He got You're hurt, right. and 
I mean, and, and so they've there are not many teams that can overcome basically losing your number two starter. I, I agree with you. That's and, a great and point. And they have, and that's a that, that's another example. I think A and M has the best pitching depth. I'm still picking the U. I have a hard time thinking the U is going to lose a regional at home, and I still like their bullpen. But the U is definitely vulnerable, and I think A and M as a two seed is a much more intelligent pick to win than say UConn and Vandy, yeah. who I picked. Yeah, but and, and, and one more thing, and just to finish up on Waka because yeah. you asked, my, my scouting report I got on him is he's kind of 88 to 92, four pitch mix, you know, good tilt on the slider. He walks one guy every five innings, yeah. and he's got almost a strikeout per inning. His ratios are outstanding. And these guys uh, don't give up home runs. And the other thing to finish up on this with with A and M is I like their bullpen because they're they're kind of like South Carolina or um, maybe Coastal to some degree. Some different to looks, you know. Shane Minx has dropped down to sidearm now, which hmm. gives him a different look. Uh, you know, Denny Clement's kind of a power lefty, like more of a 1993 guy. Then you got your Jose Oriegas, it's more of a situational lefty, a four pitch mixed guy in the mid 80s. So I mean. Uh, Estevan, you're right. Yeah, right. Excuse me. Um, you know, so they've got again. It's it, I like the, mat, the the bullpens that are versatile that can mix and match. I like to feel like the game is secure when you got the lead, um, and it helps. You know that they can score some runs too. I mean, they've got their their classic hard nosed leader with Brody Green, who's had just a phenomenal senior year. Um, he really has. It, it's it's I, I just think they're a pretty good team. They're and they're playing well right now. They just won the Big Twelve tournament. I think A and M goes down there and wins that regional. Let's wrap up the podcast here on the Baseball America podcast with John Manuel and Aaron Fitt by talking about the Florida Regional, the uh, Gainesville Regional, the, the uh, number three national seed, the Florida Gators, with the second seed, Florida Atlantic, the third seed, the O-State Ballers, Oregon State, and Bethune-Cookman University is the fourth seed, Aaron. Bethune-Cookman has some offensive ability. Yeah. We know they have some regional experience. They're in every year. Uh, Oregon State, we know they have some, especially on the coaching side, great regional experience. Nobody left, I don't believe, in the 2007 team here, though. Uh, if there is, I don't recall any of those guys being around the, on the aught seven yeah. national title team. And then Florida Atlantic, second-year head coach, John McCormick, doing a great job getting them back to regionals. Pretty consistent year in the Sun Belt for that team. And that's another team that did it without one of their main pieces in Glenn Troyanowski, who was supposed to be their closer. You're and right. Overcome that. But they've got a guy in Gibson, their Friday starter, who's a, a legit Friday guy, going to be a single-digit draft pick and can match up with anybody. Uh, Oregon State with all kinds of pitching depth and pitching options, but Florida is Florida, Aaron. I have yeah. a really hard time thinking the Gators aren't going to win this regional. Yeah, I think this is a pretty favorable draw for Florida. I mean, Florida Atlantic has had a great year, and they deserved a number two seed, but I think they're one of the more vulnerable two seeds. Um, and Oregon State, you know, they just don't have much offense. I mean, no, they, they just don't. They just don't score. And, and and give them credit for rebounding down the stretch. I mean, I think Pat Casey and his staff did a really nice job because I thought that team was uh, dead in the water. Was dead. Was they four and eleven in the re- in the, in the conference exactly at one right. point. Yeah, and then you know, in, in talking to him, he just seems so frustrated with his club, but he's able to get him going. I mean, he's he's a really good coach. Uh, but you know, the strength of Oregon State is on the mound, and and I'm just not blown away by their guys. I mean, Sam, Sam Gaviglio is is a key. He pitched very well last week. That guy was a late commit. Yep. He was signed, sealed, delivered, ready to go to Western Nevada Community College, one of my favorite junior college programs in the country. And, like, August got an offer for Oregon State. I mean, that's kind of amazing. And then he almost instantly, as a freshman, became their ace. Yeah, and, and this year, of course, he was injured to start the year, and slowly worked his way back, and now it seems like he's peaking at the right time. I think that's huge. Um, you know, and they've got power arms with Greg Peavy and, you know, Tanner Robles and those guys, but I, mean, I just don't know if you can really count on those guys at a regional, especially against a team like Florida. Um, 
a team that uh, does all the little things right and will find ways to beat you. Be curious to see how Florida lines up defensively this weekend. Will they go back to the experiment they used in the SEC tournament with Dent over at third, moving Austin Maddox to first base and Preston Tucker in right field? Or they go back to their conventional alignment this year, which was Maddox with his, his really catcher playing third base to get that big, yeah. big bat in the lineup. That, I, I don't know that either Oregon State or Florida Atlantic really could take advantage. I think if they played like Fullerton and Omaha, you'd see Dent at third. Yeah. But against these teams, can you probably get away with Maddox at third base? I think he can. I mean, he's not terrible there. He can stop balls that are in front of him. He just doesn't Clearly have great has the arm strength. He has great arm strength. He just doesn't have great range to his right and, and um you know, maybe not to his left either. I mean, I, I <laughs> right. think range is the issue. Um, but he's 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 really considering he caught his whole career coming to this thing, his whole life. I mean, I think he's he's learned the position pretty quickly. He's been serviceable at third base. No doubt. I do expect to see him there. Um, you know, and and then you've got I think some some quality outfielders on the corners that save a lot of runs for you. I mean, uh, Jonathan Piggott made a huge catch in the SEC tournament to preserve one of those wins for Florida. And you've got one of the better defensive center fielders in the country, Matt Dendecker. He's experienced, yeah. he, he's got range, he's got a strong throwing arm, and a closer in Kevin Chapman, who I don't think he was great in Birmingham, if I recall. Not the first game. The second game, I thought he was better. His velocity was up a little bit more. He he's made, pretty doggone good. Yeah, though. yeah. And and you know, he the second time he pitched, he threw she threw that good slider too. Um, yeah, he's good. And and you know, we've talked about Florida tons this year. They've they're they're deep. They're great defensively. They do I'm have power. I think they're incredibly motivated to get to Omaha this year. I, I agree with feel you. like they choked one away last year in yep. the Super Regional, losing yep. to Southern Miss. They got a lot of freshmen who don't have to worry about the draft. I think Florida is as good a bet to get to Omaha as any of these teams, to be honest with you. I agree with you. And here's the other thing that I like, is they went to the SEC tournament. They didn't have anything to play for. But unlike Texas, they went 0-3. Florida went 2-2, won a couple of games. And, you know, Kevin O'Sullivan said afterwards, I feel really good about where we are right now. This is exactly, you know, I, I, I like everything I saw. I feel great about my chances going forward. It's not like South Carolina, they went 0-2. Or Arkansas. Or Arkansas. Well, I mean, Arkansas even had the injuries. But South Carolina was healthy and went 0-2, and Tanner didn't like what he saw at all. You could yeah. tell. You know, So if I have to pick a team that, that didn't win its conference tournament that I still feel good about, it's Florida. Well, one question I do have about the Gators. Who's your ace? Who was their ace starter? Is it Pantaleotis? It's Alex Pantaleotis. Or is it Hudson Randall, whose numbers are better? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those one of those staffs where they could go with any any diff- number of different guys. Um, I think they still consider Alex Paleotis their ace. He's been their Friday guy pretty much all year. But Hudson Randall's really good too. I mean, he's like he's a, he's a ground ball guy. They've got a lot of ground ball guys in the staff, which is why it's so important that they play good defense. And that's why you got Fontana. Fontana three here is over at shortstop. Exactly, and Josh Adams, who's who's a shortstop playing second base, and um, you know they're they're. Uh, I'm not worried about the fact that they don't have a Taylor Youngman um, because I think all their guys are pretty good. And even if one of their guys gets knocked out early, they're so deep in the bullpen. They, you know, again, different looks. You know, they can go with the slider guy Barfield. They can go with the, uh, you know, Greg Larson is a sinker ball guy. They They've got go with lefties. Tommy Toledo if they need to. They can go with Toledo. Justin Poovey, who they dropped down and has some velocity. Nick Morande uh, had an encouraging. That's another very. Uh, He's another X factor for Florida. Very Absolutely. encouraging development in the SEC tournament. Sully said that it's the best he's pitched in a while. What about power? I mean, 37 strikeouts. That guy's a power left-handed arm. Yeah, not? yeah. I mean, this is a. They've got options. It's the, they're the Gators. They've got options. We haven't even mentioned Brian Johnson. We talked about that team yeah. a lot this year because we think they're one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. 
and there's no doubt about that. So we're both taking the Gators. We're both taking the Gators. Are we going to pick these regional let's winners quickly, right now? Let's quickly, pick our, let's quickly pick our Omaha teams. In the uh, left side of the bracket here, and I'm picking the Sun Devils. I'm not picking against those guys. Sun Devils. Uh, Auburn and Georgia Tech, those regionals. I, <laughs> I, I cannot. I have a hard time picking the Yellow Jackets, but I'm picking them anyway. Yeah, that, there's going to be about 800 home runs hit in that in that in that super regional if that goes, happens. If Georgia Tech, Auburn, that's going to be. Those are the two uh, the two teams that are one two in the nation in home runs. Wow. Um, I got to take the Yellow Jackets. I got to go with a yeah. team with deeper talent. I agree, and and I mean I I like Auburn's team a lot, but I just think Georgia Tech's a little bit better. Agreed. Uh, Virginia, and then uh, you've got that as a Virginia North Carolina. Yeah, I'll, obviously I'm taking the Cavaliers there. All right, me too. I think UVA is a very safe bet for Omaha as well. And then the other regional, the Columbia versus uh, the Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Coastal Carolina. I think I know where you're going here. I'm taking the Chanticleers. i got to be honest with you. I think I'm picking the Chanticleers as well. I'm very concerned about South Carolina's offense. Yeah. I think the point you make about the fact that they don't have a dependable run producer in the Miller lineup is a very telling point. Yeah. So I'm also going to shot of clears. Yeah. I hate the we didn't plan this. I hate to be agreeing with you all the time. Oh, not really. You know what you're talking about. I should be I'd be smart to agree no. with you. We're both it's it's funny. I think we we both got four national seats so far. Let's, uh, let's see how this Texas how this holds up. TCU. That's the toughest That's one. That's to for me, me the toughest one. I agree with you and and I I've been saying all year long that I thought TCU was an Omaha team if they didn't have to go through Austin. Uh, That's exactly what you said. In every chat you said the same thing. And and here we are. They have to go through Austin and I can't go against what I've been saying all year long, even though, I, like I said, I've, I've got just a little bit of trepidation about Texas, but um, I, I believe in those guys. i, I got to say Texas. I'm also picking Texas, uh, much to my own chagrin. I'd love to see Jim Schlossnagel get to Omaha. Yeah. I think that TCU program has earned it, but they got to go through. Uh, don't lose the Air Force, basically. Don't yeah. lose twice the Air Force. Yep. And then you have a better chance of being. I think they would have. Seed. They would have been a national seed, not for that those two eight Air Force national losses. seed was wide open, Aaron. Yeah. If they hadn't lost those two games, to the Air Force, that was right there for them. Absolutely. Um, so I mean, like, it's not. It's not wear it. You know, I'm not saying it with any malice, but it's they. They. they their their fate was in their hands. Um, we've got, you got Florida State and Louisville in that next super regional. I've got UConn and Vandy. I would take Vandy there. I'm, I, I don't. I don't see. I just think that. Sometimes in sports, and maybe I'm being a little random, uh, when you have a program like Vanderbilt that didn't get to Omaha with David Price and Pedro Alvarez, I would really not be shocked if they got there without their best team. I think I think some, Bill Simmons would luck. call that the Ewing theory. I'm not going to Ewing theory them. Uh, I'm not going to say it's uh, the Ryan Flaherty theory or anything like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of a random uh, Vanderbilt Dominic De La Osa. There. there you go, the De La Osa uh, theory. But I just think that uh, I like Vanderbilt's pitching depth is basically the main thing. Um, yeah. I, I, but but they're you know I, I, as we express and talking about the regional, I have my doubts about them as well. I, I but, think uh, I, I, I'm I went against form in those two regionals. Yeah. So I'm picking Vandy. I think there are going to be two SEC teams in Omaha. I can't see only one SEC team. Um, and right now, actually, I haven't picked any. And the Gators are to come, so I'm picking Vanderbilt. I'm taking Louisville. Louisville I, I over, think, the, over the Seminoles. Yeah, so, uh, Louisville's a better. That, off, that, go ahead. I'm sorry. Louisville's just really offensive. I think they're one of the very best offensive teams in the country. Um, I think they're better on the mound than Florida State. And that um, super regional would be at Louisville because yes. Louisville's a top eight national. Team. That's right. I, I think that uh, that's a big factor. Uh, so you're taking Louisville. I'm taking Vanderbilt there. And uh, but we're both taking the, the winner of that regional that's to, right. to get to Omaha. Uh, UCLA Fullerton Super Regional. You got there. 
Well, I'm making you go first on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I I'm not going to pick UCLA to beat Fullerton again until it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't remembered that one, but me neither. I'm not picking UCLA to beat Fullerton either. That said, the Gary Brown now, factor is key. If not now, when? If not us, Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole, who? I mean, if it doesn't happen this year for UCLA, it's kind of UCLA will be better next, next year. year with all their juniors. UCLA will be better next year. I don't know that they'll be they'll be better in the regular season, but I would rather go in. I would rather have yeah. Cole and Bauer not worried about the draft. That's true. Than have them next year. That's true. To be completely honest with you. But but I think their but I think their offense will be better next year because they're True they got all those young guys who True will be that. a year older. I think they'll be more dangerous and complete in that respect. I think I agree with you, but uh, I have a hard time picking against UCLA in a best two out of three series with yeah. Cole and Bauer. Yeah, and to me the the big thing is is Fullerton I think will will be able to beat Cole and Bauer because they'll be able to drive out the pitch count, foul off pitches, do all the little things, the bunts and things that'll drive those guys crazy. Um, I think that's how you beat those guys. You, you gotta be, you know, you gotta execute, and 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 Fullerton can do that. That's what you they know, do. You know, I'm changing my pick. I'm picking UCLA. Okay. The more I think about it, I can't pick against Trevor. Ba- He's my long toss guy in college baseball right now. Is Trevor Bauer? Nobody long tosses like Trevor Bauer. No one knows the pull downs. No one's tubing like Trevor. I gotta go with Trevor Bauer. John, you got that UCLA bias. You're gonna hear it from those so. guys. I guess so. <laughs> I can't believe I just changed my pick. The Titans are playing as well as any team in the country right yeah. now. What do they win? Twenty one out of twenty three at one stretch. Something like that. They they and they just beat UCLA twice at midweek. Will they have Gary Brown though? I mean, that is a big question. I I, can't I think they can. Maybe I think they can beat UCLA without Gary Brown, but I, I feel a lot more them. comfortable with it if they had it. I think so too. But I'm taking. I'm gonna put my money on the power arm. I mean, it's not like it's not like Fullerton's pitching is any slouch. Noe Ramirez no, is back. He's pitching well. Um, I you love know, Dylan. You know, I love Dylan, Dylan Floro. Floro Daniel Rankin is is has recovered from his slow start. Uh, it sounds like Tyler Pill is gonna be back. I mean, Fullerton's good on the mound too. I think it's Buhok County where him and Brett Mooneyham went to high school. But he was the two the number two starter. Mooneyham was the one when he was a junior. Anyway, I think that's kind of that is one of the most compelling. Um, super regional matchup that's potential potential super regional matchup. I think that's the best super regional matchup yeah. by far. To be honest with you, but even Texas and TCU is very yeah. compelling. I love UCLA Fullerton because you have the bigger name school with no college baseball history, and then Fullerton with all the tradition and history and the experience of those current players yeah. who completely failed last year in the, in the glare of Omaha. I mean, they just they were terrible last yep. year in Omaha. And of course, I mean, an ugly two. And of course, the history just with these two programs recently, where UCLA got to Super Regional and lost to Fullerton a, a few years back, and then was it 08? Yeah. Was it 08? They got to they were in the same regional, and UCLA yep. won the first game, uh, and you know against Fullerton, and then Fullerton came out of the losers bracket and beat them twice in a row. Who do you root for if you're a UC Irvine fan in that Super Regional? Your first co- ex coach John Savage, or your second <laughs> ex coach Dave Serrano. There are a lot of ties here. Yeah. There's a lot of history here. Those two teams just don't like each other. Either. They sure don't. Um, <laughs> finally, you've got it as the A&M Florida Super Regional. I have it as the Miami U of uh, Gators Super Regional. I think we're both picking the Gators. Yeah, the Gators. I, for all the reasons we just talked about, I think we're both very high on the Gators. National championship pick, Aaron. What do you got? I'm picking the Cavaliers. I, I guess I'm an ACC homer. ACC homer, John. I guess I am, but I think I think one of the, perhaps the best story for the College Series this year would be for an Omaha boy to shut down Rosenblatt Stadium and Brian O'Connor to take home the guy who's in this freaking statue to take home the trophy. That'd be awesome. And that's and, and I think UVA is a complete team. I think they're battle tested. 
I'd feel a lot better about the pick if Danny Holton was at the peak of his powers right now, but I think Virginia is the real deal. It's a great and pick. Yes, Virginia, there can be a College World Series championship. I think it would also be very telling for the ACC to finally get a champion and for their champions to be Virginia and Wake Forest historically, right, right. not their power programs. Who do you got on the other side of the bracket? Other side of the bracket, I've got Texas yeah. or, or Florida, and I would lean toward Florida right now because they seem like they're a little bit more complete, a little bit more offensive. But I, you can't go against Texas. You Texas know. is Texas is is very offensive for Texas. I, they, right. They, they set the they school. Have two guys in double digits on yeah. home runs. They, they set the school home run record this year. Um, you know, which is something that people I guess maybe overlook because their numbers aren't as gaudy as maybe some other you know Virginia whoever else is out there. But, I, love but, the to, I love the top four in our ranking. I love yeah. all those teams: yep. Florida, Arizona State, Texas, Virginia. I think the national champion will be one of those four, but you got to pick one. I'm picking Virginia. Um, I've thought all year long that Texas and Virginia were the two best teams, just a hair above Arizona State and, and then Florida, Coastal, I mean, Louisville. I like all those teams, yep. TCU. Uh, but Texas and Virginia, to me, they were the one and two, one and two in the preseason. We had to flip a coin almost to decide Basically. who to put number one. Uh, I think it, our, number one in our rankings has been basically those teams all year long, with the exception of maybe one week with Arizona State. Yeah, I think so. Or two weeks. It wasn't much. There might have been a UCLA week in there, too. I don't think so. I don't think UCLA poll. was number one in our poll. I think Arizona State's the only other interloper, yeah. though. I think you're right. It's been Texas, Virginia, Texas, Virginia. I think it comes down to Texas and Virginia in the finals. I'm going to stick with my preseason pick. I'm going to take the Longhorns, um, but it could go either way. If it gets to that point, I mean, you know I'm very high on Virginia, uh, but I'll, I'll stick with Texas. I really don't see – I know upsets can happen. I don't see someone other than those four teams winning it. I think Arizona State, Florida, Texas, and Virginia are a good step above in terms of pitching depth, in terms of balance, athleticism. Uh, you know, Coastal approaches it, but let's face it, they're Coastal. They're not going to win the whole thing in their first trip there. I'm sorry. They're just not. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. The O-State Ballers couldn't win it their first year. They had to get there and yeah. fail. Fresno would be the it. exception. I mean, you can't yeah. say that because they were there you're in right. 1990. You're right. No, you're right. Fresno is the exception. Uh, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think lightning strikes twice. Uh, it might be neat for college baseball if a team like Coastal, another upset. They'd be sure. a much less of an upset than Fresno, but they're also much less none of a school. And I can't imagine what that would mean for the university uh, if yeah. Coastal Carolina won yeah. the national championship. But I think those front four teams, that Fab Four is, I think those guys are a cut above, and I expect one of those four teams to win it. So for me, ranking it in my head, I would go Virginia right now, Virginia, Florida, Texas, Arizona State, just because I think Arizona State's starting pitching is a notch below. And yet you're taking Texas over Florida on that side of the bracket. I I think I am because of Augie Garrido. Okay. I think I am because of August Garrido, Jr., uh, whether or not he said gotcha to that curb or not, I think I'm, I think Augie Garrido gets the edge over Sully. No offense to Sully. You know, I love Sully. I'm going to go call Sully right now. But, yeah, I think I'm going to give Texas that a little bit of an edge because of that coaching. Interesting that I think I've got seven national seeds in Omaha. Do you as well? You've got six maybe? Yeah, I think the only one I don't have actually is Louisville. Yeah. So I have seven as well. Oh, you've got seven as well. That's right. So we we both like we both like those teams because they've, I mean, this, I don't know. They've earned it. They've earned it. I mean, I just think like, like we've talked about all year long. There's a gap after yeah. about twelve teams or so. Absolutely, hour long podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We enjoy it. I think we're, our 
passion for college baseball shows, and uh, I hope that this might be the last podcast of the year. Maybe the next next week, and not the last one where we go, where we go on like this. We'll have a pre college series podcast. Yeah. But and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll do. Long. I'm sure we'll do pre super regionals also. We're, we're, oh yeah, you're right. What am I talking about? Well, what am I talking about? I'm getting ahead of myself. I was starting to get though. Calm wax, down, big guy. Starting to wax poetic about missing the podcasts. I love the college podcasts. So, but uh, we hope you enjoy them. Send in the emails if you have them at podcast at baseballamerica.com. And once again, I want to thank MLB Network for sponsoring the podcast. And don't forget to watch the broadcast of the draft June 7th, 8th, and 9th on MLB Network. For Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.